Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at Popcorn Talk. Today we talk about Ron Stallworth's incredible journey as he infiltrates the KKK. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. God bless true American movie reviewers. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Indeed. We have Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. What's happening? And taking the place of Marissa Serafini, for this anatomy at least, we have Nakia Richardson. Hey, guys. What's up? Thanks for having me. Of course, Nakia does some shows over at AfterBuzz TV, over at Black Hollywood Live, and uh, we're welcome. We're, we're honored to have her be part of the show. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, guys. Thanks. And I, of course, am Phil Svitek. You are? <laughs> what? Yes, indeed. <laughs> I am. Although I may have a twin somewhere else. I don't know. We'll find out. Anywho, a couple of administrative things. Right off the bat, number one, if you're just joining us for the very first time, we're not a typical movie review show. We, yes, talk about the storylines, we give our opinion and so forth, but we go a little bit deeper. We go into the how and the why. We, we give the backstory on production and, of course, the box office and, and things of that nature, you know, the cultural impact. And especially with a movie like this, you can't not talk about it and not talk about the cultural impact. So lots and lots of stuff to discuss there. Number two, uh, just by that description alone, you can probably tell that we're spoilers filled so if spoilers aren't your thing pause this go see the movie because if you haven't done so shame on you and come back listen to us and uh thirdly if you want to follow along we have our research posted for you it's in the description it's a little pdf you click it and you can follow along it's fun fun there you go good times (laughs) learn some good stuff before we dive into any of that we must first know your perspective going into this movie what you thought of it and all that so I uh, guess first ladies first kick us off uh, my perspective going into the movie I remember when I first heard about the movie and I think it was like a mini trailer at first um, I was really excited because I'm a big Spike Lee fan I know a lot of people are not big Spike Lee fans but I'm from Brooklyn Bedford Stuyvesant uh, grew up on Spike Lee so I was really excited Then when I seen what the movie was about, I was a little confused because I didn't know it was a real story. So I didn't know if this was going to be a comedy. I I didn't know if it was going to be satire. I was a little confused. And then the geek that I am, I went on Google and I started looking up the real story. I learned that Jordan Peele was behind it. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be amazing. So I was really excited going into the movie. And what about going out of the movie? Going out of the movie. It was a (laughs) lot of emotions. I'm like, Spike, what the hell? Because the movie, I I love the movie. It's the end 
that kind of gets you, it pulls on your heartstrings a little bit because though this happened in real life in like 1979, you're taking back and you're like, oh, it's a movie. Some things were added in. But when he hits you at the end, you're then hit with, okay, this is actually really happening outside. This really just happened. We actually just lost a young lady last year. These are things that are really happening. People are still the same way. Nothing has changed. So leaving the movie theater, I was a little emotional, a little sad. I loved the movie. Loved, loved, loved what I saw, but... Awesome. It's just really upsetting. <laughs> well, we'll certainly talk about the ending, won't we? Dimitri, what about for you? Yeah, I mean, look, this movie, uh, I mean, Spike Lee hasn't made a real feature in a little while, and he and he's proven that he's back, if not better than ever. Uh, this movie makes my top five uh, thus far. I think it's really uh, tremendously uh, talent talent. Uh, Script-wise, I think it's laser precision social commentary. Um, And regarding the end, too, I I think that throughout this entire movie, and and let's not... The movie itself, without the ending that's there, you know, it's very subtle in its way. It uses... This movie takes place in the 70s. It is um, really in the bizarro world that it's a true story. And there are target words that are peppered throughout this entire, throughout the entire movie that we hear today um, a lot. And so when a particular word or maybe a catchphrase or a phrase pops up, you sort of, huh? Because it's, it's, it, it, because this is in the seventies, but it's something that we're hearing today. So, I find that if you if you take the ending out of the movie, I still think it's a magnificent movie that just by the way certain things play out within the film and certain pieces of dialogue that, like I said, it's peppered throughout. Yeah. And I know that it's done very deliberately, but it's not like it... To me, it wasn't a movie that beat you over the head with it. It was just certain things. You, it just made you go, huh? It's like, oh, my God. Well... And it makes you think I'm hearing I'm hearing those words today. Certainly they use the word great. Well, <laughs> great. America, America great. <laughs> uh, you know, there and and so for me, that was the brilliance of this movie being again, it's 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 in in essence a period piece. So but then when you add so the whole movie is very, very it's subtle in that approach. And then you get to the end, and it goes from being subtle to being very blunt. Yeah. Um, the, the, <laughs> there is no denying that that thread now becomes like it's 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 a brick to the head. And I'm not; it's not a criticism. Uh, in some cases, when you do something like that, it could say, "Well, what do you think? I'm stupid? Like I can't figure that out for myself, or whatever." So, and some people would say. Yeah, it's taking advantage of the audience's intelligence, but not here. It was definitely done for a more visceral, emotional impact. And I think that any any moviegoer who pays attention to movies of, of drama or whatever, when you're picking this up, you can see it. But then when the pieces come together and you get the ending that you get, it really does. It, it it's, it's an emotional, visceral experience that uh, makes one angry makes one emotional uh and and i think that's part of the brilliance of this entire film there are there are it's also i think one of spike lee's 
I think it's one of his greater films in in which he is able to draw out performances from people, and again, it, it proves that you don't need necessarily stars to to make a movie work, right? I, I mean, a lot of the people here, outside of Adam Driver, perhaps I know uh, some of these people are on TV here or there, but they're not household names. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. And he he pulls perform he coaxes. Out, I think some of the best performances that an, an audience can see this summer. Period, and and I think that helps. And again, with the, like I said, the the socio commentary screenplay uh, was just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll sum it up in this way: the ending. Never have I seen more people stay for the credits of a movie that wasn't a Marvel movie. You know, right. it's not, they true. weren't expect. They weren't <clears throat> staying there for a post credit scene or anything like that. They were, they were there because they had nowhere else to go. They were shocked and frozen. Yeah. Um, and there, there's, you know, one of the things I want to kind of begin with as an entry point. Um, it's not required viewing, but um, sorry, sorry to bother you. We talked about it last week. Um, obviously tackle kind of similar things and I think we're at a great time where we can have both movies um, but it's a nice entry point to, to talking about this movie because both are satirical uh, but it's that elongated laugh where you laugh at the beginning very ha ha and then it tapers off because something hits you in a deeper level of like oh wait th- this is not funny at all in fact it's the opposite of funny and I think both movies have that um you know, so when you're talking about like some of the comedic stuff, like the, for me, the interaction with David Duke and the real Ron in this movie are some of the more funnier scenes. I mean, him right. saying like, "But you know what? I hate them, goddamn." Mm-hmm. It's the best. I think one one of my favorites, and then the real Stonworth touched upon this when he said he talked to David Duke, and when David Duke said, "I would know because usually I'll just say black black people say the aura." And the Uwara. So that was hilarious where he was like, are you sure you wouldn't be talking to a black person on the phone? And that stood out to me because my great grandmother <laughs> says, well, she did say Ara or Refrigerera. So I started laughing like, wait, is that a thing that was happening in the 70s where people were thinking that? Where, well, people in the KKK thought, no, this is what they sound like. This is how I would know. So that definitely made me laugh. And then it brought me back and I was like, okay, no, this is really real. Well, there's a lesson in that you know, when you kind of start to break down the layer, layers of racism, the fact that language in itself can be, you know, there there's a certain way to speak and there's a certain way not to speak. Right. So to me, this movie highlights the dangers of creating dichotomies in any sort of facet. Yeah. And it creates these things and, and you know, because it says one's better than the other. Yeah. And I think, too, I think the brilliance of the script and again, I mean... We'll talk about the ending, I guess, when when you bring us there. But it, it, it also because it wasn't just about racism against a color; it was racism against a nationality and such. And again, one of my favorite scenes, I believe, is a scene uh, with a- Adam Driver where he's talking about how his character Flip had grown up. Yeah, he goes, "Yeah, he goes, I I grew up Jewish." He goes, "But." We never paid attention. Like I, I was never bar mitzvahed. I, I we never went to, uh, you know, I never went to uh, Hebrew school, or, or and I didn't. We didn't celebrate Hanukkah. It was just no big thing. 
Um, but he goes, now, though, he goes, I want to, he goes, now I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to study the faith. And, and now I want to learn more and gain more from it. And it's really, it's an interesting thing in this movie because once you have something that you've grown up with that you may not have, maybe you took it for granted, your, your faith, whatever it may be. But when somebody is so hell bent on taking it away from you, you're like, what the hell are you, what, huh? It's like, well, and and to me, that was a great, um, it was a great scene. And to me, it accentuated uh, and made more powerful Adam Driver's performance because he had to, he couldn't even be like a, a, a slow boil. He had to keep everything, that character had to keep everything in check and then quickly turn around and say, oh yeah, I hate the Jews and and really, really, another summer strong performance for him. Last yeah. year, he was in uh, Logan Lucky, which I thought he was really good. And so, outside of his Star Wars fame and, and girls, like he is picking, I think, some amazing roles. And that's not to say everybody else in this movie was just not. I mean, everybody was just super strong, and they they delivered characters that you cared for or hated for, yep. and you didn't hate characters. Because there were not like there wasn't just like the stereotypical like I he's a bag I hate him like you hated these characters because of what they stood for and how they performed. It's an characters. amazing job from all around, all <laughs> yeah. around. And I have some stuff. We'll talk to for Grace about his, his oh, performance too. Well, I, I want to get, I wanna get yeah. before we you know. Oh my god! I want to get your thoughts on um, on Flip Zimmerman. Well, Flip Zimmerman, well, I was a huge Girls fan, so I already knew, like, Adam Driver, but I never really seen him in Star Wars. I already knew he was in Star Wars, so I was really excited that he was going to be a part of this movie. Um, when I got to—I did a little research to, uh, about the movie to see what was real and what wasn't real between the real yeah, Flip and uh, the fake Flip— it was really interesting. Like I loved Flip's character. I loved Adam Driver's performance. I loved him and John David together because while they were performing, I honestly forgot that Adam Driver was Adam Driver. I forgot that this is Denzel Washington's son. They did such an amazing job. And I read that because I know that Adam Driver's not really Jewish in real life, so I would have loved to know like what it was like to like if he was Jewish to have to play this part to be a Jewish man and hang out with the KKK and say really hateful things because the real Stallworth he just sat on the phone, not just, but he sat on the phone and he didn't have to face because he couldn't talk with the KKK, whereas Flip had to be in with them and infiltrate them and sit in their homes and talk about the nasty, disgusting things that they had to do. And I thought that the Flip character was amazing. And I think that Adam did a really good job. Well, he, yeah. yeah one, one scene in particular, I mean, the fact that, you know, what leads him to hold on to this is that it's in constant opposition. It's not like, you know, by Walter, he's welcomed right into the gang, but... <laughs> Um, or the organization, as we say. Right, the organization. <laughs> the organization. Uh, but, but Felix uh, is not welcoming whatsoever, and he's the one that's testing him. And, and that scene when he gets basically interrogated of, like, do you believe in the Holocaust? And it's like... <laughs> and, and he not only has to sort of justify his own means for being in the KKK at that point, but the fact that he has to use an event like that and twist it as an argument that it happened yeah that it like, happened and <laughs> that he hates it and why like, it's quote good that it happened yeah it's not that it happened and like 
dude, you're an idiot for denying this. No, you're an idiot for denying this, and you're so unracist for denying it. You should be more racist by embracing it. Right. Had me right. on the edge of my seat, right. actually, that scene. I was like, wait, what? How's he going to flip this? Flip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it goes to the, I, I think, the, the power of the writing. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just the words. It, it is how that scene was performed by both actors and 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 yeah, how do you flip? We've actually well, yeah. I think in in one way, in, in some semblance of going through life, you have heard about the Holocaust deniers, right? And here is a, a blatant Holocaust denier. I don't think it happened. It's like, what do you mean? And then it goes to, what do you mean it didn't happen? What are you, some idiot? Of course it happened, and it shouldn't. Be, it should have been more. And that flip and the way it's that it was crazy. performed, you. You bought into it, and at the same time, you could look at Adam Driver's eyes and go, "This guy's fucking nuts." Yeah, like this guy's like he's fucking nuts. And how do you suppress that? And but again, through performance, it's like we see what Adam Driver's doing. And to your point, you're like, "Well, how's he going to get out of this one?" <laughs> and then he's like, he, "The way he flips it around, you go, oh, that's pretty <laughs> clever." But you're still like. Oh my god! It's sick. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 the rug being pulled out from underneath you of like, oh well, it's all just a Jewish conspiracy, right? <laughs> okay, like, no. you have you have a comeback for everything, don't you? That is the most ignorant of things, right? Um, when it, you know, when when I look at this movie, I, one of the I think it's very deliberate. All all the things that we've been bringing up are very deliberate, and so I can't imagine this isn't. Um, there's almost. Three very representative representative levels to the KKK that were presented, and maybe more if you want to look at it that way. But I, I look at Walter Ivanhoe and Felix, where Walter's the I don't know, quote unquote, ideal racist. Yeah. Right. Then you have Felix, who's just extreme, yep. and then you have Ivanhoe, who's just basically an idiot. He's just there to right. be there, and that's what I thought. It's like you have the one, the calm one, who if you were trying to talk someone into not being racist, you can talk to Walter, and Walter may be the person to be like, oh, I can kind of see where you guys are yeah, coming I, from. I, uh. He was, no, I think he's just too stupid to even be converted the other way. I mean, I think yeah. that was the, his life being brought up, and that's the way that he is, and he's too, he was he was too just too dumb to get out yeah. of his own way, meaning that, where everybody else, like, you're right. But then you get, but there is a fourth. Like there's there's Topher Grace's David Duke, mm-hmm. who is different than all of them, but he embodies factions or fractions of each of their personalities, yeah. except for the dumb one. Yes. So, you know, he's the he's the culmination of these three people. He's got the hate, but he also has the charm. He's got the level headedness, and on top of that, he he has the charisma that none of them really have as much as he does. So there are definitely like four factions there. But again, I think it's important to note that this, you know, it it goes above and beyond color of skin. This really does go through through like race, you know, and it's it was that's what was really frightening and how like being thrown, you know, Adam Driver being being the white guy, like for some reason, Felix just like zeroed in on him and said, "You're a Jew," and that's like, why I said, like, though like, he was the most extreme, he was the the one who actually paid attention the most because I felt like they were too stupid to pay attention to both voices 
not yeah. being the same where Felix caught on. Felix was already paranoid. He's like, are you a cop? Like, he was already questioning him. Well, you know, for for me, the takeaway re- really was this, like, it, it it's very interesting to note that the one gl- glue that holds all these people together is their racism. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're hate, yeah. It, take that away, none of these people would be friends. <laughs> none. I really believe that. But oh, that I... just goes to show the level that that racism can unite. Yeah. Yeah. No, and you're right, because I, I don't see Walter being friends with Felix, like, when you take that out of it. Because Walter, on appearance anyways, right, can, let's say blend in, where Felix doesn't blend in. He doesn't want to blend in. And then idiot Ivanhoe... Ivanhoe. Well, I mean, what, what a, a name. name. For, right. Ivanhoe. So, you know, he, he just like, you know, he's the he's the guy you go drinking cheap yeah. beers with and he's just, you know, he's an idiot. So they wouldn't be hanging. I, I mean, the idiot might be with Felix. Yeah. But Walter himself, take, in, take out this aspect of racism and hate, like he's just your average workabee guy take, trying to take care of a family or whatever and... I really can't do it this year because I'm busy, you know. So, yeah, it's it's they you're right. They they wouldn't be friends, but and I think too what the movie does is it also shows uh, when during the ceremony when they were um, ordaining these people, they're taking off their hoods. Many of them were just everyday looking yep. folks, right? Yeah. So, the infiltration to me is what I found to be scary and something that this movie brings up in this again being in the 70s it frightened me to hear david duke talk about well we're gonna put this position and we're gonna put this person in this position of power and we're gonna like and this is how we're gonna infiltrate you know and and we're gonna get what we want which is a great america we're gonna get it and so I I grew up reading and learning about the KKK. Bad. KKK, bad. But I never... I You know, it wasn't until, let's say recently, there were a lot more things being come to light. And this movie really brings that stuff to light as how subversive and infiltrating they are and, and how powerful, like, just outside of being bad people... It's, and wanna, that's scary too. I want to get your 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 perspective on this. You know, again, we we talked about the friends, but now let's talk about the couple of Felix and his wife. You know, for all intents and purposes, she's just trying to be a good wife and be supportive. Number one, and I really feel like in any other movie, if you stripped out like what they're actually talking about, that scene of them just being quote loving together in, is a the, tender scene in the bed. Yeah. And the scary part when you talk about that is the fact that, like, yeah, they're a loving couple and they have those ideals of of being a loving couple. And and, and if this was like a rom-com, this would be a fun scene to watch, except it's not because it's underhanded by something deeper. And I want to get your perspective on it. Yeah, it was really interesting because though you're watching this movie and you're watching this movie about really bad people and this couple... It, like with what they do in the movie, they kind of humanize the KKK, I guess you can say. Um, because growing up, 
for me, just listening to stories and family members and talking about the KKK, I had one idea of what they looked like, what they would be like, where they're from. But when you actually watch this movie and you learn about a David Duke and you see who he is and how he was in politics and the way he looked, he didn't look like the stereotypical KKK person. <clears throat> then you see this couple, this quote-unquote loving couple, and you're like, wow, like you kind of forget like, okay, some of these people have families, they have kids, they're married, they love each other, they just have really bad ideas. So to see them, you know, loving each other in the bed and cuddling with each other and her just saying, I love you and I just want to do anything for you. I will do anything for you. That was really intense for me because I forgot what they were talking about. And then I bought it back and I was like, oh my God, they're talking about doing something really bad. Right. And and it normalizes. <laughs> yeah. Evil. It normalizes hate. And I think that's what really accentuates or punctuates that scene. Yeah. Uh, because they are. She's the, you know, she's a wife that at least from an attitude perspective that any man you know would hope to have a wife that's as supportive and such and a man who is supportive so to your point yeah it, it, there's the, the the love there um but then it also it normalizes the the evilness of it all yes because it's so subversive and it's so it's so it's so in their hearts that they just talk about it as if they're talking about a grocery list. And that's what makes that like scary. It's scary. And like she wants to do this. She you know, and it's like, oh baby, you're gonna get to help me out and you know, and it's all and, and it and it's on that thin line too of satire, especially the way that actress performs it, you know. But uh yeah, I mean she becomes first like she's like she's put down. Right, and then she builds up, and then when she's doing her deed, she just puts on this this mask of like I mean, I, of hatred. Yeah. So she again, strong and, performances from people that. No offense to these, I, I'm giving them compliments, yeah. but she was nobody I'd ever really seen before. And you grew to really hate. You thought she might be a little ditzy. Yeah, you were like, "Oh, I feel bad because she's the wife that he's putting down." But then, as the movie goes, you're like, "Wait, yeah, whoa. I, made some, I made some crabbies for you. I made some, you know." It's like I'm like, you're like, Holy I hate her now too. I hate her really. Yeah, because yeah, she's, she's just as vile. And what, what makes the moment that we're talking about of them together so ominous is that until really the very end, we don't know the plan necessarily of what what they're plotting. You know, so so to give her an assignment that it's the special assignment, this could be right. anything. Yeah. Uh, so so it definitely takes that that into account. Now, yeah, uh, Ashley Atkinson too. Uh, she was the one that played Connie. Connie. And uh, you know, she was. She did a good she, job. Yeah, she was great. Absolutely fantastic indeed for the role, for the not role. as a person. <laughs> um, speaking of, I, I want to go back to something that you said, Dimitri, um, about infiltrating and getting people into the White House and politics in general, um, which was a deliberate play on their part. The real story takes place in the late 70s, but they wanted to put this in the early 70s specifically for that reason when Nixon's being reelected, <clears throat> we're in the you know, Vietnam War and things of that nature, um, which is why when he's being interviewed, Ron's asked, "What are your thoughts on Vietnam?" Right. Um, so I thought I thought that did work really well to to bring that stronger together. Yeah, and again, I think it's one of those things that it's sort of sublime that if you're watching the movie and you're paying attention, it's it's just like you, you sort of kind of go, "Huh?" It's one of like those things that. where you're like, "Isn't this happening today?" Well, 
Yeah, it's yeah, you go, huh? Because they do make this big point about Nixon and then it says, you know, we need to get this moving or what they and you just like, hmm. There was another thing too that I'm that I'm gonna bring up that I that that something happened so recently, it was so recently as this week, right? That there was no way when they were writing this that they could have this definitely was not strategically put into the movie, but there is a scene in the movie in which uh uh one of these people refer to somebody as a dog. Okay. Mm. And I was like, okay, there's no way they could have, like there's, that would be looking into the future. And okay, I want those powers, but just to benefit myself and make myself rich, but I would share the wealth. But (laughs) I was like, okay, that's, that's like, okay. That was scary to me because the events hadn't unfolded for them to be able to integrate certain, certain things. But again, it's a word that today I just there are a lot of times where my ears like like went, huh? Wait, why I'm hearing this today. Why? Yeah. Why, 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 why? And it's like, wow, and but that was one thing in specific that I was like going, Oh, okay. I've heard a lot of talk about this this past week. And here it is in the movie being used in that derogatory way, and you go well, for all those people who are, again, I, I don't mean to be CNN here, so forgive me for being a little bit political, but it's a social political movie. It just made me go, well, okay, if they were using it for a movie that takes place in the 70s, yeah, it, of course it's racist. Like, you don't have an argument anymore. Like, because the, those these events happened this week. This movie was filmed a year ago. Right. They had no idea what was going to happen and or be said. And I was like, oh, That's okay. creepy. Yeah. Because it's just one of those things that just shows you that the language that is being used today is just the yeah. nasty language that people may have picked up in their homes and when they live with their racist families. And it's and, still being used. And it's still being used today. Right. So you're absolutely right because when I was watching the movie, there were certain key words where I was like, what? Huh? Yeah. And these are things that people would say that I read about in my history book or we heard about in movies. But the fact that someone's tweeting these words and people are power and talking like this, you're like, whoa, that's a little creepy. Yeah, it really is. And that to me, and that's why I say you take the ending that's currently in the movie, it still works for a thinking man's uh, uh, movie, right? Uh, And I'm not saying that audiences are dumb. Please don't misunderstand me. But I, I, it's, it was purposeful what Spike Lee did with that ending and why. Well, a couple of things before we talk about the ending. Um, one thing that I want to kind of point out that I uh, that might be relevant to this argument or conversation at least, um, David Foster Wallace, and there's other people too, but he had a term for like pe- people's natural default setting, their natural way of thinking. Right. And it's essentially a means of saying you're not actually thinking, you're just sort of going through the motions. And what happens is when you're not – for example, his, his, his thing was like if you don't actually stop to think, you're in traffic, you're going to be pissed off because that's your natural default setting when you're in traffic. It's shitty, so I'm pissed off and miserable. And so when people use these words or think these things, it's because they're not really taking the time to actually think. Right. They're just defaulting to, as you pointed out, Nakia throughout – something that they've just been raised with and never really questioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that that is the scary part. And uh, It's a normal way of life. Yeah. But it doesn't, without questioning it, you know, go back to Socrates, an unexamined life is not worth living <laughs> type of thing, um, you know, which 
this movie, you know, when you talk about the thinking man's version of it, the fact that we open up with Alec Baldwin, first off, kudos <laughs> to him to, to, you know, be so, I don't know, brave is not necessarily the word, but like, you know, his image is of like this great fine person and to represent something so heinous right acting out. it's yeah. called acting and that's amazing he did a great job. amazing and the fact that it was Alec Baldwin because even today Alec Baldwin and his beefs with who the president is today and Alec Baldwin being so open and speaking about it I thought it was amazing that he opened up with him and what he was saying I'm like right. this guy's a great actor man yeah. I mean he's a legend he's Alec Baldwin yeah. so <laughs> yeah his, his deep voice just cuts right through and it's 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 amazing for all the all the wrong reasons but yeah. um this isn't the first time that that Spike Lee's kind of satirized or reworked um, Birth of a Nation. He's done it through a short film called The Answer. Very, I haven't actually seen it, um, but this was early on in his career. And if there ever was a moment that just, it's like, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be subtle about it. This is where I'm gonna go fully apart from like what's coming later. Um, this was the moment, and he redefines what kind of Birth of a Nation really was. And I, I, I want to a get. On, your sort of history have you seen birth of a nation what do you know about it and then kind of now recontextualized in this form wowzers <laughs> uh birth of a nation i feel like as all black kids or all black people you kind of are just taught about what birth of a nation is and what it was um but the first time i seen birth of a nation was in i believe it was high school um, and I went to an all-white Catholic high school, but we had a film course and our teacher was showing us the movie. And from what I've heard to actually watching it, because I remember we had to like do a term paper on Birth of a Nation, I was blown blown away because I was like, they, this couldn't be real. This couldn't have been a real movie. So we, did, uh, we watched it in high school and I remember in college we also watched it for a film course and we had to write a paper about it. So Birth of a Nation, since I was a child, has been in my life. It's been talked about and everything like that. Uh, Nate Parker tried to redo Birth of a Nation himself. Um, didn't really work out as great for him personally. When I seen it in this movie, I, I, I just thought it was great because even when you watch movies like Get Out and a lot of people didn't understand what Get Out was about until they actually watched the movie, a lot of people thought that it would be a comedy and they didn't understand what Jordan Peele was doing. Mm-hmm. I love that Spike Lee put it in the movie, especially for those, for say my friends who are a little naive, who thought that, oh, there's no such thing as racism anymore and these things, get over it or these things happened so long ago. And I love that Spike kind of hits you with it because you're reminded that, no, it wasn't that long ago. It happened. It's still happening. So I thought it was amazing the way he put it in the movie. And I think they did their own voiceovers because I don't think it... I mean, the movie was silent. But I think in his movie, Spikes, there were people voicing over it and doing uh, little animations as well. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% about that. But um, the movie just took me through an emotional roller coaster. So seeing Birth of a Nation thrown in there, I was like, wait, wait. And then I think there was a little scene from uh, Gone with the Wind where Scarlett O'Hara yeah. is walking through. Well, it's the pullback. It's, it's the, the yeah pullback. So I mean, I I was speechless. Honestly, I mm-hmm. I was speechless. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a weird tangent, but it was it threw me and knocked me out of my yeah, seat well, a little bit. Well, the historical impact that Birth of a Nation has to film them, uh, you know, cannot be denied and, and such. And the use of it in this film. Again, it's 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 the juxtapositioning of it all. It's like okay, it's it's the many ways that one can look at a movie. You can look at it for its historical impact and and, and what it was 
back Which then. Which is cross-cutting, right. cutting into different scenes, all, yeah. all that stuff. So, and you can look at it as that. But then, you know, what, what um, Black Klansman does is we have two scenes going on at the same time. But the and the and the through line or the commonality of the two scenes is 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 this movie Birth of a Nation, and in one scene, um, uh, I forget oh, what's what's the actor's name, um, the Which, actor singer who's uh, you're talking about the speaker at the uh, Black Panther yeah, rally. Oh, he, he, Stokely, play? he plays Stokely Carmichael. Corey. Um, no, 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 no. I'm talking about um, the singer. Um, what's his name? Oh, I always forget his name. I'm sorry. You know, he's the, he's the guy at the end of the movie while they're playing birth, Harry Belafonte. Ah, Harry Belafonte. As Jerome Turner. Oh, my goodness. So Okay, so so Birth of a Nation is playing, it, it's playing through two scenes. One scene, we're at the Klan thing, and they're actually watching the movie. And they're looking at it as like, like it's like a Mel Brooks comedy. Like, okay. And then we have this other scene where Harry Belafonte is talking about the atrocities and he talks about this movie. First of all, he talks about these certain atrocities that had happened, really happened, and then how this movie has depicted this, right? And as he is bringing, and he he specifically brings up Birth of a Nation, um, and he's talking about scenes, and he's talking about this scene, but prior we just got the stories about the hangings and and the burnings and everything. And then we cut back to, you know, back to the KKK. And they're seeing the same exact scenes that we just heard explained as the overvoice. And they're all like, again, they just think that it's high, high, high comedy. It's high comedy. And that to me, again, it was, it was just a brilliant way. And it's the way in which uh, people interpret Film and how these stories are, are, are interwoven, and how it's interwoven in this movie, for good or for bad, right? It's 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 whether I like a movie, you like a movie, or what? It's how it's interpreted. And can you say that the KKK is interpreting it wrongly? Yes, uh, you know they they look at it as true life, and this is standing up for us. Where Harry Belafonte's use of of putting it in his story is like, you know. These are horrible times then. We're horrible times now in the seventies, and Birth of a Nation brought a lot of this to light. You know, it's that to me is what was the most dramatic yeah. of these yeah. two interpretations of one piece of art. From a filmmaking standpoint, it's it's interesting to note that it is in fact like the use of the cross cutting is exactly <coughs> what Birth Pardon of a me. Nation brought about. Yeah, <laughs> so it's. It's using everything and flipping it on its head yeah. uh, throughout the entirety. Um, I want to kind of, since we, we've been teasing the end, I want to kind of get to the end, and if there's other stuff, mm-hmm. we can backtrack. But um, for me, this is, this is how I viewed it, and this is the succession of events. And you guys can either disagree or we, we can come to something. I already no. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. So, so, so we're getting to the point and, uh, where, where the bomb's there. You know, she places the bomb. She places it at the car because she gets a little too nervous. Um, Ron Stallworth gets to the scene, and lo and behold, things go wrong for him because it's like, okay, white cops beating up a black man. You're like, oh, crap. But then it sort of turns, and things start going their way. Like, okay, yay, high five. We stop this. Great. 
And then it turns again where it's like, you know what? Shut this down. It's like, wait, what? And then we go into the moment where, you know, we get the uh, the racist cop who's been uh, a thorn in everyone's side the entire movie. So yay for us. At least, like, we're doing some good and we're getting stuff from the inside. And then we kind of get this uh, cool uh, 70s exploitation kind of cutaway. We get them through the thing. But it leads us to the KKK. And then we go one step deeper. Then we go into Charlottesville and you're like... <laughs> Yeah. It was happy, it was sad, it was happy, then it was worse. And Made you cheer. I, like, when like, they got the racist <laughs> cop, like, <laughs> that, that, I mean, that scene, that scene to me was fantastic on, on a lot of levels. Because, number one, it was the first time that, as a force, they were all together. Yeah. From, from the Chief Bridges... To everybody was involved in that. Let's call it the sting operation, yeah. right? Oh yeah, I got you. Did you get him? <laughs> oh, I got him too. And that then the chief hilarious. walks in and goes, "I got him too. Come on, buddy." Right? So like you're like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> but then it goes to, "Well, hey, I, I thought they were all working together. They're all buddy buddy." And it's like, "No, we're gonna shut everything down, and you gotta shred every piece of evidence that this ever happened." <laughs> you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, you just..." Wait, but you're a good. Wait, huh? You're and, a white American. You're a white American. <laughs> it's so emotional. It, it was emotional, and then and then you get the the phone call, <laughs> and he's like, he's hearing, he's on the steps, and my, you know, my, I've seen way too many espionage movies, and I'm like, <laughs> you don't answer that phone. It's it's a bomb. <laughs> so, and then he goes in, and he answers the phone, and then you have that is like great. It's a great historical moment. They could have just. Freeze frame that, go to black, like, haha, they're all laughing at, at, the, at Batty. Nope. No, and then you get the scene, and it's like, well, well, of course, because it's all out in the open now that, that, that these people duped them, and they're going to target them. And then you see the cross, but then it was the way in which that cross melded into Charlottesville. And you go, and then, then, it's, then it's a brick to the head. That's what it is. And, it's it was so emotional uh, because you're watching this movie and you're going through so many of roller coaster of emotions. You're laughing, you're like, Great, this is such a cool movie. And then you're like, Oh, the cross is burning. And then you're like, Whoa, whoa. This happened last year. And uh, that's what I started to cry. Because I knew I was going into this movie, I knew it was a real movie, but I knew it was satire and I loved the movie. But then, like, at the end, I, I I laughed because people were starting to get up to leave. And then, like you said earlier, Phil, we were literally frozen. And everyone started to slowly sit back down. And everyone was like, wait, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And then Spike shows the clips. And then you, you see the real clips of the car going into, like, the, uh, the crowd. Um, you see the tiki torches. You see all the real stuff. You see footage of Donald Trump speaking in. It, that <laughs> knocked me out of my seat where I think we were frozen because even when the credits go up, the audience, we were still sitting there because well, we were confused and in a good way. Well, yeah, it's it's just everything everything that happened in the Charlottesville scene. We actually had just watched play out in the actual movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything yep. we everything that that played out in that movie, you know, the history of itself, it just came back. And whether it was through dialogue and whether it was through violence and, and this ignorance and this hate filled. And then you realize where it comes from. And you realize, and everything that they said about putting p- people a position in power, uh, it just all comes home. 
And and again, you don't necessarily need that in the movie. And I'm, it's not a criticism of it because the movie works well without it. But when you put it in there, it's shocking. And this is why I was just telling somebody, like, this is the kind of movie that is not only going to be taught in movie classes, but it could be taught in a social studies class, in a history class. Uh, whether we like it or not, whether whatever your opinion is, it, it, it it's happening to us today. Yeah. And this is how this movie resonates. And it was really scary because I walked out of the movie going, how can any African-American person, like, be on that person's side. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't, because it's not, it's not hidden. And this is why I think there's such a division in the world. And again, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a political show, but this movie, like, is, this is what this movie is about. And there's a reason why Spike Lee chose to release it on the date that he did, because it was a year anniversary. That's that's another thing, like, because, I don't know, for me, I had forgotten that fact, and then I put two and two together. You know, I was coming down off that thing, and then, today is August 12th. Yeah. This this is not and, and they tried to like no no this movie you should release it later in the year and he said no he like really put his foot down so again I just walk out and I'm like going how how like how <laughs> because like the, it, we are living in a world today where it's not where it's not subversive it's very out there it's out the closet it's, it's it, well, but in more ways than one, it's in public. It's it's in social media. It has emboldened other people. I, again, folks, it's just it is. It, it bottom line is. And what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And when I hear and I and I know for a fact, I neighborhood I live in and the theater that I go to, I know that there are African Americans that still support this. And I'm like, how? Like, how, how how can you? I mean, like, if you watch the... And again, this movie, this movie is only... Yes, they had to, you know, based on a true story, yes, they embellish a couple of things here, but thematically, the movie is true to its form. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not a lie. It's not fake news. The story happened. Stallworth exists. He's a person. David Duke. And it wasn't like they were invented or they're not. It's not like they were doing the Quentin Tarantino approach of rewriting history. Yes, they moved the dates back in the 70s. Okay, big deal. They embellished a character here and there, but the story (laughs) happened. Racism happened. It's happening today. And... It's that was the knock on the head, and it's like why you, we somebody needs to wake up. Well, that's his his flipping of the flag and going from color to black and white was his literal symbol of you know calling everyone that there's a distress in the nation, and more so. In the past, there have been criticism against Spike Lee that he's too over the head, he's didactic, and this and that. And I think this movie certainly can be viewed as didactic but when you look at the time it's like okay how much more evidence do you need you know like where 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 the criticism is like oh shit you know just relax calm down everything's good like no no, no it's, it's not, not. 
and it hasn't been for a long time. The only good that's happening right now is things are now out in the open where there were people who just assumed that these things weren't happening or people didn't really but talk like this. They but you don't. got the Felixes of the right. world. Right. Where like someone like me where I knew my whole life and I knew that there was no change and I knew that they were bad and the guy who was running was so blatant and I was confused at the beginning because I thought, well, he's pretty open so I'm confused of why people are confused. So that's what confused me. Um, and there's a great SNL skit where Dave Chappelle and... Um, Oh, God, Dave Chappelle and I think Chris Rock, they do this great skit when it's the night of the election where they have their white liberal friends and they're so shocked that Hillary Clinton loses and the two black guys are like, I I don't know how you guys are shocked because we're used to this. But it's one of those things where maybe this movie can be a reminder for some folks where it's like, hello, you know, when you walk out the theater, these are things that's happening today. These are the the language that we're hearing. People are calling people dogs. and Well, that's the thing. And unfortunately, I feel that we're at a point in our time where I don't know what is going to wake people up. I don't think I, I just, I, I really, I really, we're at it. Like there is so much evidence and proof there. And if you, if you, if you're buying the mistruths, then you're buying the mistruths and anything, whatever fact is thrown in your face, you're just going to deny it, deny it, deny, deny. So you can get a person to watch this movie and they're going to say, they made it up. They're going to say, well, maybe that, okay, well, maybe that story happened, but it didn't happen that way. You know <laughs> that they lied about here and there, and you know that the, like, the they did it so they can get that ending. And it's like, it, it's a lot deeper than that. And that's where the ending, like, really hit home. And there was a lot of mention about the ending prior to the release of yeah. this movie. People talked about. I knew there was an ending. I knew I there was not an ending. Know the ending. <laughs> I was waiting for that ending. <laughs> yeah, but, but you knew about it before you saw the yeah. movie, right? I did not. Oh, you didn't. All I, I knew was the ending was tough to watch. I was like, okay, when's it going to But that's hit? what you heard, yeah, right? I've heard that's all I heard. Views from Cannes where people were talking about the ending and mm. was it needed and it, maybe it wasn't needed. So I was like, well, well what yeah. ending are they talking the, the, about? There, there was a controversy about about the end. Um, where some people felt, yeah, it wasn't needed or this and that. And so I knew uh, that there was an ending. Um, and, and again, where I, where, where I live, the theater I go to is a Cinemark Baldwin Hills, um, which is a, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a, it, straight up, it's a very urban audience uh, that, 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 that goes to that theater. And again, when the ending came, People they 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 fell back into their seats. It wasn't like they just quietly. They fell back into the seats. And what you know, we we, we not that I forgot about the death, but I guess what really punctuated or accentuated things to me was you know she was a white woman mm-hmm. who was there at this rally opposing things, and she was taken out like by idiocy and hatred right well in a sense and, by her own people by, by her, sure you know if you want to look and, at it from that right but i think it impacts the audience it impacted my audience because he makes no bones about putting her up in this big screen and it just goes that hatred impacts everybody mm-hmm. and i'm not taking it away from, from from like color or like race religion uh, obviously, it impacts 
other people far greater than it may impact me. And I understand that. But I think by putting that up there, it really, it does impact the society. And again, the, the, the subtle thread becomes piano wire around the throat. And I, but I thought it was brilliantly put in there. And well, I didn't it, find it to be like, you're beating me over the head. It's like, yeah, we're still well, dealing with it today. Here's, here's, here's what the ending does. And uh, Nikia, feel free to jump in on it. But, um, you know, your audience... Let's say primarily black, right? And sure. They, they slouch back because I, I feel it's like the reaction is, well, but what I heard, can I do? I heard, I heard but, crying. But, mm. Well, exactly in my because, because in, in that sense, what can I do? There's nothing for me to do. The audience I went to, believe it or not, it like the most widest audience you can imagine, and the re, you know they were frozen because of guilt. Mm. And what it does by putting like for all, if you're not a minority and you see this. It creates that guilt because it turns it back on you. It's one thing. It would be one thing to, you know, again, kill, kill someone black and have that be sort of the ending version of it. But but it's no different than um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like she fought for women's rights, and what she right, did right, right. was she fought for men's equality in terms of uh, uh, parenthood and, and raising a child because she said, "Look, listen, all these gender laws." are unfair to men equally as they are unfair to women. Right. And so when you look at it from that perspective, as you pointed out, uh, Dimitri, that this is what yeah. hit it home for me is that racism affects both sides. Yeah. You know, and if you could prove that it affects, that white racism affects white people negatively, then guess what? You can maybe turn the tide. Yeah. You hope. And I think that's the brilliance of the ending. And that's why I don't find that the ending was... Uh, you know, I, it, it it didn't hearken to me like, oh Jesus, Spike, what what, what am I an idiot? Of course, I can draw the parallel by myself. It was the way in which it was it faded into it, and the way that it was intercut. Uh, those scenes, um, the ones from Vice News, and um, you know, then there was the interview with with with, with David Duke. Um, they, they they just and, and and again, it goes to why. Why doesn't a certain person just come out strongly and say, David Duke, I denounce you? Like, why doesn't a certain person say, Putin, you're a bad man? Like, why? And now, after watching the movie and you hear things that you go, oh, well, that's why. Yeah. You know, A, racist, and oh, yeah, okay. That's what you want. Okay. All right. You know, but... You, we're not changing the tide because there are people who are so wrapped up um, that they that they keep continue to carry the water, and that's the biggest problem. So those people would go into this movie and say it's you know fake news, right? Yeah. Like David Duke himself, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think he was portrayed. Look. I know that he was curious, David Duke. Yeah. I had read these stories where about his only curiosity about the movie was how he was portrayed in it. It sounds like somebody else that we might know who'd be mm. more curious about how he was portrayed about th- a theme. Right. So, in, in in Topher Grace's performance in this too, he if you were making like a full on like a Mel Brooks satire, let's say, right, you would have that character so overblown. Like he would be like this this racist buffoon, and you would laugh at him, and you know who, why you're laughing and who you're laughing at. 
He didn't play him this way. Yeah. It's not that kind of a movie. And I think that if, if David Duke were to watch this, I mean, I... He's actually seen it, believe he, he, Yes, he's been calling... Uh, I know we did the red carpet, and I talked to a few <clears> of the writers, and he said the writers were like... As of when we did the premiere, I think it was two weeks ago. The writer said that David Duke has been calling them to call the real Ron Stallworth. He did, yeah. He's been calling everyone to try to like talk to everyone and figure out what's going on. The writer said their phone call wasn't as nice from David Duke. Um, Topher Grace has been reporting that he's getting phone calls now, and it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just like, but again, the way he was, you. You can't take the racist out of the man, right? Yeah. So, but I think that they played him uh, very charismatic. Like, he, he did not look like a buffoon right. at all. You're just racist, but when you're head of the KKK, what else are you? So, again, and I think uh, Topher Grace's performance of him, I thought, was really spot on, especially mm-hmm. when you see the end clip, yeah. right? And Topher Grace said about filming it, he's like, well, this was definitely the juiciest part in the movie. He goes, it was the hardest. And he would say, yeah, there were, you know, I had to do these things and say these horrible things. And he goes, but you know, he goes, I had this amazing cast and crew around me. And Spike Lee was amazing because he would say, cut. He would walk over to me. He goes, it's all right, man. I know you just, I know this is a hard day. Yeah. I know this is a hard day for for everybody. He goes, it's a hard day for me to film this. He goes, but we got to do this. There's a reason why. You're doing great. And I go, these are these are kind of things that you don't, like, I, I don't necessarily hear about Spike Lee and yeah. working with his actors. And I said, I like that. That's really Cool. He he understands. He understands tough day shooting. Sort of reminded me of when we were talking about the movie. Uh, what was the last summer? Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. With Catherine Bigelow. We had that one actor who's that that racist above and beyond racist cop, and like how he would like. This is the hardest scene for me to film. I'm not like that. And for Grace is like, yeah, yeah. This is the guy he was and is and. He's a monster, and I don't want to meet him, he said. Right. He goes, yeah, he's like, I gotta never. Like, nope, nope, so I think a don't news uh, do anchor asks, would you want to meet him? And he's like, why? No. <laughs> no, he's like, I hate this no. guy. No. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to meet him. But I appreciate that he had support of casting yeah. crew uh, to go, yep, no, dude, tough day. Yeah. Get it. You, you, you did a really good job, but it's tough for all of us. Tough for me to do this. He goes, but you did a good job, man. I like and, that and a I lot. I say thanks. Yeah, it's, yeah, like it's, it's really... It's, a, it's, it's, it's how a director should be on set. He should be a leader uh, and, and support the cast and crew. So, yeah, I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, in fact, uh, I mean, many are many people are touting this as, like, a return to form for Spike. And he said, uh, what's the famous Mark Twain quote? My demise has been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spike. <laughs> so. I'm happy that this is the movie, and I'm happy that, you know, Jordan Pill gave him that call, and I'm just happy that this is the movie where people are recognizing Spike because he's right. Spike, a lot of people were not happy with Spike, and Spike was one of those directors where you're like, uh. Well, he's a divisive director. Yeah. Okay, for good or for bad. Right. And he's somebody that I studied too, uh, you know, in, in film school. But, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about uh, Jordan Peele, right, it goes above and beyond this too because it, this is, in a, it's, it's a Blumhouse movie. I mean, yeah. it's released by Focus, right? So Jason Blum's name is also on this movie, as well as Jordan Peele's, who mm-hmm. they released Get Out. You get it. And and to their credit, it's like 
picking projects that go against your normal wheelhouse, which is horror. You can point to this and say it's horror too, but it's a different kind. It's fan, it's amazing to me of the the gift of picking projects and one and having your name on a project, uh, you know that that goes against what you normally do. Yep. But saying, hey, there's something in this. I'm going to contribute in one way, shape, or form. Uh, he helped boost Jordan Peele's, like Jason Blum. He's helped you know boost his career big time. You know, and I think too working Spike Lee. Uh, their movies, the Blumhouse movies, some of them, like the Purge movies, you know, they have a message to say. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I say good for them. I I say, you know, kudos because while everybody's talking about the next Halloween movie, myself included, can't wait, (laughs) it's nice to see the diversity that they're bringing and that they don't shy away from the controversy. Not at all. And in fact, that you know, we'll talk box office, but but just in general, I mean, uh, this pretty much has unanimous, uh, you know, consensus how great it is. Ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, A minus, which is slightly lower than I would have expected on Cinema Score, um, but everyone else, you know, a- across the board, is saying what a great movie it is. And uh, you know, I said this with sorry, sorry to bother you. I think this movie, I you know, even though it's in the summer, even though it's in August, should get some recognition. At the Oscars. Yes. Whatever that may be, you can say screenplay, definitely some acting in there. Cinematography I thought was great. A lot of, a lot of great elements. Um, score for me in particular, too. I really score. Love the score was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really, it was really fantastic. And, and I think that Spike Lee, uh, he, it, it even looked, at least for me, it looked a little bit different from some of his other movies, although right. there were certain traits, like, like the end, like having the people... On the, the dolly, the you know, yeah, 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 and so it's like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, the watching the Spike Lee movie, right? <laughs> but uh, another scene that was artfully done, but again, not beating you over the head, was the scene in which you thought I was earlier referencing was that gentleman who came to the school to do the, to do the speech, Kwame. Yeah. And number one, the actor who did that was Corey Hawk. Corey Hawk is amazing. Yeah. He was amazing, and he's in the movie for five ten minutes. But he gives this amazingly like, and it's and it's a charged speech that starts off slow and gets bigger and bigger, more energized. And I loved how the way uh, you see the audience, but oh, then you saw scene. like like three people, and then it would fade back to him, and then you always saw three people, but then it would like home in uh, on Stallworth, you know, because things were dawning on him, you know, and you saw. Uh, that he was actually listening and paid and paying attention, and uh, it, it, it was a really it, again, it was an artfully done scene that from a from a film person you go, well, that's really artfully done. But anybody else, it doesn't matter. It still plays very well. The message is there. It gets put across. You understand. Now Stallworth gets it, and you get where he's coming from. It really was a masterfully shot and edited scene yeah i felt which brings up a we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about patrice so uh, you know i know we're running out of time but but, you know let's let's talk about her she's she's the opposition to ron and and offers different perspectives and yet pushes him forward like when you talk about a strong woman character 
kudos to her. I did, she did a wonderful job as an actress, and the character herself was was fantastic. Yeah, Laura Harrier. Yeah, um, and she was wonderful. I mean, she, she made really me like that Angela Davis feel very strong. Very, it reminded me so much of like the not the KKK. Sorry, the Black Panthers. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. Not the KKK, the Black Panthers, <laughs> and how um, they talk about the strong black woman in the Black Panthers and her character was just so amazing and how I love how she challenged him because even when she found out that he was a cop and she didn't care and she's like this is what I'm standing for and you're still a pig and I just I just loved it and I thought she did such well, an amazing job for You her. know though I'm glad okay so you brought up the word pig right yeah. and he's like so here we had Stallworth and he's heard, he goes you know you don't really need to use that mm-hmm. word well why not What? Are, he's like they're not all like and now we know why he's arguing that point, right. right? But they don't, and his his points to that argument are all valid. It's like we're not, and that again too. It's sort of flipping certain things because here we have like the the black cop who's infiltrated the clan and is now telling other black people who don't know that he's a cop, say don't use the word pig. Because we're not all like right. that. And, and so we, you know, I'm watching the scene going, oh, this is a really interesting scene. And, and he's like, because he's like, you're calling me a pig, and I'm not like that. And he goes, and I know you don't know the truth, but his points are still valid. And it, it was just really interesting. So there was a prejudice there, too. Albeit a warranted prejudice, because, mm-hmm. that, again, that asshole gets taken down at the end. But they weren't all like that. A lot of them who were on Stallworth's team were there for the cause. Right. They were there. They were like, yeah. And they were like on the they were listening to the phone conversations, laughing their asses off. Right. As they should be. It's so I you, you were again, it's one of the, the, the geniuses, I think, of this yeah. screenplay and performance. That's so uh, and she was she was fantastic. And again, it just goes to show, I mean, she's very different than her Spider-Man homecoming yes. role. I was <laughs> shocked. And I was like, her? when I found out I about see, that too, I was like, see her with the afro. I was like, whoa, that's different. <laughs> so I love that she took the challenge. And same thing with John David Washington. The oh fact my that God, yeah. I mean, one, his dad is Denzel Washington. <laughs> his mother's Pauletta Washington. So not only do you have that, you have a kid who played football and he was in Ballers and. He was in like Malcolm X when he was like nine, but to have this leading role and do such an outstanding job, and though he sounds like Denzel, you forget that he's Denzel's son, and he's just John David Washington. I didn't view him as anything, but like to be honest, I actually viewed him as Ron Stallworth. Yeah, Me too. that's it. Yeah, you know, that's it. It a testament. Same to, hair. To such and, a good and, job. And, and and he was like so good, and everybody else around him, but he was fantastic. Sweet. And again, he, he was. Yeah, Spike Lee pulled out like an incredible performance. Uh, going back to Laura too, like you know, very attractive woman, very strong woman. I mean, this is a character that 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 has the goods uh, and that can stand up to a Ron Stallworth, right? And and that to me is is equally as important because if you're going to pick a woman for that role, that actor has to like you have to believe that this person is going to be able to pull all this off Mm -hmm. believes in the cause um and such and i never doubted that character for a minute and (laughs) she also but had the tenderness 
And as well, I mean, I really did love that character, and, and you're right. But, and again, we have to go back to that woman because she, too, is another strong character, albeit for the, you know, Connie. the, the Connie. bad scene. But Connie, again, she she was, the, 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 that actress, uh, Ashley Atkinson, was, yeah. she was fantastic. They, the that, women did an amazing women. job. Everybody and they, stood the, up. The whole cast just... Yeah, wow. and, and and again, I just go back uh, to, to to me. Performance relies not just on the actor, but a lot of it re- relies on the director mm-hmm. and and the, the type of performance they want to pull out of their their actors. And I think here, like Spike Lee, really pulled out some great job. performances of people that we don't necessarily like. No, they're not right. household names. Denzel, when you have Denzel working in a movie, and, and he and Spike have worked on a couple of movies together, you, you kind of expect it. Yes. <laughs> right? You kind of expect this great performance. Over here, I didn't really notice yeah. any of these people, except for Adam Driver. And like I say, I'm like, okay, this guy should be recognized. <laughs> yep. She should be recognized. And they're not in a superhero movie. And it's to your point where, you know, people think that and people in the movie world think that they can't make these great movies without without like A-list names. And Spike did a thing where he bought probably some people that, like you said, you've seen before here and there. And and they killed it. And it's such an amazing job where I think you're right, Phil. I think this movie should be recognized. And I've been hearing little chats about some Oscar recognition. I don't know what it's going to be, but... We'll see. Well, we shall see. The good news, you know, when when you talk about that, like you kind of had your bed bets with um having actors like this and who are really passionate i I mean overall the budget wasn't that big for this so which is great um you know when you talk about blumhouse they're known for that uh the fact that it made 10 million roughly almost 11 million in its opening weekend and and so forth i think i think it's gonna have legs as time goes by but but, but let's i mean i want to put everything in perspective too uh 15 million dollars Right, so when you're talking about Blumhouse, like that's budget-wise, that's their wheelhouse. That's a mega. Right? Well, well, that's even a, a little house. bit more. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a little bit higher than what they might normally do, right? So, and you're right. Um, you know, ten point eight million dollars. Let's just call it eleven million for opening weekend. It came in at number five, but here's the deal: um, where it was going up against movies like The Meg, which was opening up on 3,000-plus locations, theaters around the country. This was on, on, on 1,100. Mm. 1,100 plus, okay? So, or, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. 1,500. 1,512, to be exact, to put a fine point on it. <laughs> so, it opens up at number five with a per screen or a per theater average of $7,000. So, that's really pretty decent. Um Coming in number five with the movies that are out there, that's in your top five. You're dealing with The Meg. You're dealing with The Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have the top ten, but you're dealing with bigger movies. So this one, the marketing, I thought, really worked and helped. The reviews, obviously. I think it's topicality, yeah. too. Uh, really um, um, help push this along and I think the conversation hopefully will get more people out there yeah. and so that it's not going to necessarily fall off a cliff it is definitely one of Spike Lee's higher higher openings mm-hmm. you know as well recently if, uh, anyway so we'll see where this ends up but I think it's longevity is going to be it's history mm-hmm. whether it's home entertainment or whether it's used in school in history classes because I really do think that that threading together uh, 30, 40 years, right? 
I think that's a very important part, uh, in it. and I think from a social sciences perspective, no. like it can be studied that way, and it can also be studied in film school, yeah, as well. So. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, <clears throat> if you need a refresher, revisit us. And hey, if you need a bonus, you need a bonus thing, uh, a, a substance for your Blu-ray. Hey! There you go. Um, Also, uh, you know, this, uh, we, I I look at it, we've been blessed in the past couple of weeks, whether it's blind spotting, sorry to bother you, um, really great movies, so if if this is kind of in your wheelhouse, uh, definitely this, you know, that's kind of a great trilogy of movies um, to also watch, but we do have to wrap up, unfortunately. In the meantime, you can interact with us. Um, first off, you can do so in the comments section. By all means, this is such a divisive movie that do let us know your thoughts, your perspectives. Um, to be honest, I even welcome the hate. Now, usually that means something yeah. completely different. In this case, you know what? I'm willing to have a meaningful conversation. Don't just say, like, blacks suck or whatever right, or right. Jews suck. Legitimately, if you want to have a conversation, you are a hateful person. I will have that conversation with you. Well, I never care. I don't care if people dislike a movie. I really don't. Just give me a thoughtful reason why right. you disliked it. And it doesn't necessarily mean it, that I'm going to agree with that. But so long as you're putting it down in a thoughtful way. Uh, listen, like I said, um, don't come out and attack us and say, you're nothing. You're just towing the fake news line. Uh, then I'm just going to not pay attention. I don't care if you like or dislike a movie or agree with me or disagree with me. It's just the way in which it's presented. Um, we, I don't mind you disliking a movie, uh, but just do it for the right reasons. And say 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 why. Be, be yeah. a little bit smart about it. Uh, I think this is a really great movie uh, uh, to discuss. Uh, both yeah. after you see it in a movie theater, along here in, this, in, in our format, which is, I think, the best format in which movies are broken down. Uh, and, and whether you're at a bar or whatever... Like it's really a solid. Uh, it's a it's a good talk piece to get things out in the open. So, I agree. Yeah. Well, also for more specific, more direct interactions at D Movie seventeen oh one for Dimitri. Yes, please. Absolutely. I and- was a big hit on Twitter this week for some <laughs> stupid reason. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, so, but hey, uh, I love it. Let's make it two weeks in a row. <laughs> and uh, at Kiki Boom Boom. Don't judge my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there <laughs> at Kiki Boom Boom. I'm a good time. What other shows do you do? You uh, right now, all of my shows are hiatus, <laughs> but on Wednesdays, I do I do a lot of reality. So I do Jersey Shore. It was so much fun. I'm Black King Chicago on Wednesdays. Awesome. <laughs> and I'm at Phil Svitek. Thank you guys for joining us. We're uh, at the real at, at the Popcorn Talk on on Twitter and Instagram and all that fun stuff. At, uh, at Movie Anatomy, right? At Movie that Anatomy for this specific show. Of course, you can check out our library of past shows. We have quite a bit. And, of course, we've got lots of stuff coming up, whether it's The Meg, whether it's Crazy Rich Asians, so many good things. So keep keep subscribed. Subscribe if you haven't done so. We'll see you next and time. And keep going to the movies. Yes. That's right. <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.